You are listening to the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast. My name is Asa. And I'm Allison. Now, Charles Gnode is not a composer whose name is very well known, but his music has been integrated into pop culture. So, as we'll get to discussing, you'll probably recognize at least part of this week's focus piece, The Funeral March of a Marionette. Gnode was born in Paris in 1818. His mother taught piano, however, she never actually taught Gnode herself. Rather, he was sent to boarding school and was taught composition at first only one day a week. However, he was very good at it and eventually began studying at the Paris Conservatory. In 1837, Gnode competed in the Prix de Rome, which is an arts competition, and he won second place. He soon followed up that win in 1839 by winning first place with a cantata called Ferdinand. Now, as part of the prize of this competition, Gnode was able to travel to Rome to study. While there, he was essentially a sponge for all the wonderful art and music happening in the Romantic Italy during the 1800s. And so he immersed himself in Romantic literature, reading Gothi's Faust and setting a goal to eventually turn it into an opera which he did about 20 years later in 1858. Now, Gnode also spent some time traveling around Europe, and one of his trips took him to visit Felix Mendelssohn, one of the greatest and most well-respected romantic composers both then and now. Mendelssohn was very kind to Gnode, apparently giving him private performances of choice works, and he also inspected Gnode's musical portfolio and heartily approved of what he saw. In 1843, Gnode got a church job back in Paris. His sacred works written during this time were the envy of the rest of France. But he didn't keep this job very long. He soon began focusing on operas and finding places and patrons to support his works. And he finally began getting some operatic commissions. Now that he made a name for himself, he actually was named the head of the Paris Orpheon which was basically a musical organization that coordinated artistic ventures throughout Paris. And it was during this time that Gnode began work on his famous Faust opera. There was some trepidation in writing it, however, because of the story's popularity at the time, and several other composers had already adapted the play. So, for a while, the Faustian market was saturated. (laughs) So many souls being sold to the devil. I know. However, the opera's success in Paris was real, with notable critics such as Hector Berlioz giving it their seal of approval. For about the next ten years, Gnaud did produce a lot of works, mostly operas, but with varied success. He apparently had to work very hard to really make a masterpiece, which, at this romantic time in Paris, isn't too hard to believe. It was a very hotbed for romantic composers. As a result, he had medical complaints that were described as mental fatigue that were probably caused by a combination of anxiety and depression. He made recuperative travels back to Rome, and this was very fruitful for his career as he began two of the most important works of his later career while there, an opera called Palaiuse and an oratorio called La Redemption. 
In the year 1870, the eruption of the Franco-Prussian War threatened Gnode's happiness and safety, and so he, along with many more French citizens, emigrated to England. And this was an interesting time for him. He sold some works to publishers, but their methods of payment were lump sum, which could be a source of lost funds. Eventually, Gnode arranged to have royalties paid to him for the sale of his works, but the ever-devious and money-mongering publishers still found ways to cheat him out of his well-earned money. Also during this time, Gnod met a certain Mrs. Weldon, who was an amateur singer. And they definitely became close friends, but rumors both in England and France suggested a more scandalous situation. And it seems that Mrs. Weldon may have been a bit clingy anyway, maybe sort of adding some fuel to that fire of rumors. And once the Franco-Prussian War was over, Gnode apparently made a mad dash back to Paris, leaving many personal belongings and scores in England. He asked Mrs. Weldon to please send them back, but she was a scorned woman and insisted that he come back and get them himself. Gnode did not want to get entangled in that mess again, so he began rewriting his lost scores. However, she eventually did send everything back to him, but having written her name on every page so as not to be forgotten. Now, after this debacle was over, Gnode spent more time composing operas in France, but also started writing more sacred music and oratorios. The market for these works was stronger in England, though, so he did make several trips back to have them performed. And his works even gained the recognition of Queen Victoria, with her requesting Gnode works be performed at Prince Albert Hall. Now, Gnode composed even late into his life. He still tried out new composition techniques, including new instruments like the pedal piano, and trying more novel orchestration techniques. And one such example of this is his delightful Petite Symphony, that has all the hallmarks of a string work, but is written for wind ensemble, a very unusual instrumentation for the time. Gnode died in 1893. Apparently he was ill and knew he would die soon and had accepted this fact. We have a quote for how he pictured his death would pan out. The last modulation resolving to the tonic of the eternal concert. A metaphorical quote from such a composer. So, The Funeral March of a Marionette was written in London in 1872 for piano and later orchestrated in 1879. You probably recognize it as the theme music to the hit television show Alfred Hitchcock Presents, but probably only just the beginning, somber theme. The music is apparently a short story envisioned by Gnode. At the beginning, we hear the marionettes fighting, and with a cymbal crash, one falls to his death, thus requiring a funeral procession. However, many of the other marionettes have a more fun time taking side trips to shops and taverns along the way. Silly puppets. <laughs> now, I think this piece is a little bit of a satire, because there are many silly aspects of it. First, the main theme is written as a clarinet solo. This theme suggests the sort of floppy, jerky movements of the marionettes, as it's written very staccato and includes little blippy grace notes. And orchestration-wise, at the end of the clarinet's phrase, there's another sort of joke. As the clarinet takes a downward scale, it's asked to diminuendo. 
The scale is going to tonic, the first note of the scale, but the clarinet doesn't get to play it. Instead, the clarinet stops on the subdivision before the next downbeat, and the tonic instead goes to the bassoon, which sounds an octave lower. A little later in this silly piece, Gnode throws in a very mocking academic section. Taking his first theme, he begins to write a fugue, but it's interesting as a fugue because the theme and the counter theme both consist of lilting eighth notes, so the only way to tell the new thematic statement has started is that the beginning beat has a full line of eighth notes. Gnode makes this fugue into a sort of bass line, and he adds a contrasting melody over top. Now we've talked about march form before, and as this is a march, Gnode does try to follow that form, and up next, we hear the middle trio section. In a march, this section usually contrasts the rest, and here it does too, but not quite as much. The rest of the march has relied heavily on a lilting eighth note pattern, which, as we're in 6-8 time, means an eighth note on the downbeat, an eighth rest, and another eighth note, like a pickup note, sort of like a galloping horse rhythm. This section, however, has longer quarter notes written on the downbeats, and so though we're still in 6-8, we have a more stately 2 feel than we did before. After a final iteration of the main theme, we have a little humorous coda. Now, if anything, I think this coda is the darkest part of the piece. We get some lower voices really growling in the background as the theme is resolved over and over again over the top. Then we get a wonderful passing of the theme that starts in the lower instruments and works its way all the way up to the flutes. The whole piece is then ended, perhaps predictably, with a very soft and staccato 5 to 1 chord progression. And this is in contrast to some marches that end with a very loud and resonant stinger chord. And because of this contrast and ending, I think that really does stand to show that this march is more of a parody march than a real <laughs> march. And Gnode was really just having some fun with the musical form. Indeed. So if you've enjoyed our time here on the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, you can share this episode with your friends and other episodes of the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play so we can climb those charts to get a little bit more recognition. So, for the Coffeehouse Classical Music Podcast, I'm Asa. And I'm Allison. Thank you so much for listening. 
The Funeral March of the Marionette was performed by the Eastern Wind Symphony and George Ballad, conducted by Clark McAllister. Ave Maria, arranged for cello and piano, was performed by John Michael. Salut des Meurs, Chasse et Pure, from Act 3 of Faust, was performed by Jacques Potier. The Petite Symphony Movement 1 was performed by the Sony Ventorum Wind Quintet. You can find The Coffee House on iTunes and Google Play, and be sure to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on Facebook and share links to our episodes with your friends. You can email us at coffeehouseclassical at gmail.com.